Ladies and gentlemen, it is late June. It's a beautiful summer so far, and we are still here in the Stanley Cup Finals talking about the goddamn Montreal Canadiens. They did it, Charles. How are you? <laughs> I'm not bad. Uh, it's it's poisoned with irony. Uh, oh, all disgusting. I can think about is that all I can think about is that Talking Heads uh, tune where in uh, he just yells, and you may ask yourself, good God, how did we get here? That's all I got. <laughs> I keep thinking about that uh, every every time. I'm like, oh, yeah, the finals start tomorrow. Good God, how did we get here? Oh, well, you know what? We committed to doing the pod. It's, I said last time it is deeply funny that we decided to do that this year, uh, but we did, and we're going to do it. And uh, I will say, last time we did a pod, I accidentally took what I thought was a CBD gummy, but was actually a THC gummy, so I got a little loopy. Now, you have taken a CBD gummy, which you have uh, ensured us is not does not have yeah. THC in it. Check the label three times. See, that's what I should have done. I had something We're kind good. of bad today where I thought I was taking one of my multivitamins. You know, those like gummy multivitamins? So I thought I was doing yes. that, but I accidentally, I accidentally did a huge line of cocaine. So that was just <laughs> made a minor error. So uh, let's get going this podcast, baby. Let's go. I don't. So I received a text from you. This is actually how I wanted to start this. Uh, I received mm-hmm. a text from you today and it said, gotta, gotta try to not go long on this one. Cause I've got a lot of notes on the Habs. So in that spirit, where would you like to start? What is your most prominent note? If we had to do this podcast in under five minutes, which I know is your nightmare and you will wake up in cold <laughs> sweats about, where would you like to start? Um, I would like to start. So the first and probably most important observation I have made through three rounds of Montreal Canadiens hockey would be their ability to slow down fast teams. And I think Vegas is a faster, like, faster au natural team than Tampa. So that's something to look out for uh, in this series. Like I, I just, they faster um, au natural. I love like, it. We're, yeah, we're, we're, we've been watching the have so long that the podcast is bilingual now that fucking <laughs> rules. Um, but like when it comes to generating their offense and stuff like that, speed was Vegas's game. And going through the brackets earlier in the year, I was like, you know, there's only one team, I think, that could take Vegas. And I had it pegged as the Islanders. Now, I've been reading around on Twitter lately that people have deemed the Habs to be the Islanders' extra strength. like mm-hmm. So, like, the Islanders on steroids. So I actually think the they're Islanders, two very comparable teams. They are. I think they are too. In fact, I, I think, think I think the Islanders are better. Whoops. Oh. I don't think the Islanders have the goalie that Montreal has. I would agree with that. But I also yeah. don't think that Montreal has anyone the caliber of a Matt Barzell, for instance. But that's that's true. But I mean, I, I'm I'm not just saying that to discredit either of those teams. I think they're both quite good, and the difference between uh, two teams of that skill level is pretty negligent. I think, as we ha- have all learned. But I think th- those, and I, I gotta say, man, I'm, I am grateful that that's not the finals. 
Montreal and the Islanders. I'm sure that most most Habs fans, which by the way, to our Habs fans listeners, congratulations. I hope you're having the fucking time of your lives. This has been a bad couple years. I hope you're having so much fun. They do seem to enjoy it more. You know, Habs fans, they seem, I will say it's absolutely more fun to be in the playoffs as an underdog. Like it's just such a better experience. And I've had a couple, I've had a, I've seen a few tweets that have been like, Oh, no one ever picks the Habs. I can't believe you guys never picked us. And it's like, you can't be salty about that. You finish 18th. I'm not saying you're not having a great playoffs. You are, but it doesn't mean that you're not the underdog. You're you're the underdog. Embrace it. Actually, if if I were, we all, I think if you've listened to any of these episodes, you've all figured out that I'm a superstitious nut job by now. If I were a Habs fan, I'd be like, don't, don't fucking pick them. Don't you fucking dare. Like I'd be sending tweets to like all these analysts and be like, if you pick them this time, so help me God, man. Off well, the Christmas card list. Who are you picking in the final? I'm picking the Habs. Wow. It's just, there's like... It's drenched in this weird, ironically enough, like movie-style destiny, and our team was making the movie. Everything about it, like everything, like their coaching change, the fact that right up until the Winnipeg series, they were playing every second day because of their COVID outbreak in March. Um underdog and written off in every series when the odds came out for money puck at the start of the year they had like a 1.3 or something percent or like 0.13 percent chance to make they had a really bad start though right yeah yeah of of course but i mean and they had a let's face it they they had a bad end to the year too like a, a lot of things had to go right in terms of montreal clinching that playoff spot it wasn't a given that's true at, at you know the, the the early part of May, people were kind of talking about Mark Bergevin being in the unemployment line come next season. Like there, there was there was a lot of uncertainty there, and now it's like he's wearing a red suit, he's looking fly as a motherfucker with that hair, he's hugging it, <laughs> you know, he's just <laughs> celebrating hard in the press box, which I love, by the way. I, I love that like, too. I, I love that so much. One of my least favorite, like, hockey man things is, like, you are a stone wall through jubilation and through upsetness. Like, you are, you are a rock. You do not give any inkling that you are having fun or miserable. So, can I offer a counterpoint to that? Which is that yeah. I love both. I love yeah. a big celebrator, and I also love a guy that can't be bothered. I I, we've actually already brought this up on this podcast. It's just coincidental that it's a Montreal Canadian that did it. But Mike Camilleri scoring that goal uh, in the last Habs run in the third overtime and celebrating with the smallest fist pump and no smile just fucking cracked me up. He looked like he was he was going to start playing rock paper scissors and then changed his mind. It's just nothing. I love a guy who freaks out. I love a guy who does absolutely nothing and just acts like he's been there. I think my biggest issue with is with policing how people process their joy. That's fair. Um, here, here comes the part where I tell a really, really old story. Uh, when, <laughs> when Pat Quinn was a rookie, 
Uh, on the Leafs, he got burned, which Packlin got burned quite a bit playing D. Uh, and he gets back to the bench. It's one of his first games in Maple Leaf Gardens. And he slams the door, kicks the bench, and slams down a stick. And if I remember correctly, it was Dave Keon. And Keon, like, grabs his shoulder, sits him down, and says, like, look, you can be as pissed off as you want, but you don't let that bench know you're pissed off, and you don't let 16,000 people in this building know you're pissed off, so don't let me ever see you do that again. So, uh, Dave Keon, policing Paquin from his rookie <laughs> game. <laughs> I, I honestly cannot believe, like, just in the era of Paquin that I grew up in, the idea of anyone telling Paquin what to do, I know Dave Keon would be in that position 100%. But uh, it's just bizarre to think about anyone telling Pat Quinn what to do. Yeah. That series, you know what's kind of weird? I, I had a strange – it was nice to cover another team because watching hockey and watching hockey to knowing you're going to do a podcast about it are two very different things. So it was kind of after a year of, you know, watching the other games, if there was a good game on or I had some money on it or something like that, to just have a team that I'm like, what are the Golden Vegas Knights about? And it was fun to watch a like a great team. Like Alex Petrangelo. Oh my God. He was I thought he was Vegas' best player by far the whole series. It was kind of shocking how much it, it it's the team styles differed in the sense that Montreal is just like, we're not activating our defense into the offense ever. We're not going to do it. That's not their plan. Uh, and they have executed that very well. Uh, whereas Vegas was like, no, we are happy to let a lot of our offense come from come from the blue line. Like Petrangelo, Shea Theodore was excellent. Martinez was good. Apparently he was playing on one foot. And I, you know, it's it's like it's. I I feel like there's some people to say, well, it didn't work. But I mean, like, if it made if you made it to the conference finals, like it worked. It was just. Something I'm just saying. I'm not saying one is one is better than the other. It's just. It was. It was kind of cool to see two contrasting styles like that against each other. One thing I, I felt that Vegas had figured out is something I've been preaching on here for, Jesus, three weeks now, maybe longer. The goals that are getting by Carey Price, for the most part, are coming from the back end. Like Petrangelo, he was he was great at it. Um, Logan Stanley strung together a few goals in that Winnipeg series. Like it, it seems like, and I'm wondering, like Vegas got some guys, but at Vegas, Jesus Christ, Tampa got some guys back there. Like Tampa got Hedman, Tampa got Sergachev. Those boys can shoot, and I'm oh, just yeah. wondering if that's going to be a story. I uh, now Hedman uh, is. I don't know if you how tightly you've been watching the Tampa games, but Hedman is not right. Hedman, Hedman is, is not Hedman. Uh, that is one. Hedman has one an thing. injury that I honestly think that, like, you know what's going on with the Kucherov thing where he was out all year? Mm-hmm. Don't be shocked <laughs> if Victor Hedman does that next year. Do not be shocked. I was, I was wondering he, how they were going to do it. Oh, they'll find a way. People Hedman. are like, you see, people are like, Oh, you, you, people look at the Leafs and like, you can't get into the finals with that cap structure. I'm like, no, you can't because you get into the finals with uh, $10 million stuck in between two kids in a trench coat, just sneaking into the playoffs. There's a different way to do everything. Can you imagine, can you imagine if the Tyler Johnson contract was on any Canadian team right now? <laughs> can you just imagine that? But even even like the Canadian teams that are like kind of chill about bad contracts, hello Vancouver, they would be really mad. Like, oh, they would be freaking the, out because they're paying Tyler Johnson too much money. Oh yeah, hundred percent. 
He went on waivers, right? They're like like I, that three was a strange times. team that I was like, why didn't Ottawa pick him up? Because he makes like five point nine clean. If it was he one makes, of those, he like, makes five. And I mean, they they fucking acquired Derek Stefan. I love it. We're in the finals. We're finding time to talk about the Ottawa Senators now. A full we year. Never this, did. Yeah. A full we year. Never did. We, were like, we have nothing to say about the Senators. We're, there's a Canadian team in the Stanley Cup final for the first time since 1992, and we're like, so back to the Sens. <laughs> um, another another one from my uh, toolbox of notes here is. One thing I can't stop thinking about, and obviously if Montreal were to win, everybody know who gets the, the cons money. Philip Deneau. Oh, Phil Deneau. <laughs> Imagine if someone goes goalless and lifts the Conn Smythe trophy. Like, can you, I, I just, I can't, obviously I, I think like realistically if Montreal were to do it, Carey Price gets that Conn Smythe. But the nerd in me is like, he shut down the cream of the crop. Like, the cream rises to the top until they meet Phil Deneau, and then they do nothing. And it's just like, how can you not, how can he not be in the conversation at least? Oh, and I, I think he, I think he should be. I think it's insane to be. say, and I think hockey fans will have a hard time wrapping their heads around that just because he has three points in 17 games, and that's the type of discourse we're used to. But I think that in hockey, it's like, people talk about analytics like it's math, and it's not math. It's like, the things that people talk about on the broadcast are not the things that usually lead to good things. Like how many times, like, like, okay. So Kevin BX, gets on and like, and just every time it's just like, he's praising Josh Anderson who has been good ish. Like he's been, I would say Montreal's like seventh or eighth best forward, but because he hits a lot and it's noticeable, people are like, well, there you go. He's got five hits. It's a big deal. I'm not saying I'm not even making an argument. Oh, sorry about that. I'm not even making an argument before for or against hit hitting. It's not even the place for that. But my point is like, the way that Deneau is able to shut people down and the way that he's playing in transition, like that man, I think in game seven, he had, I think 83% successful zone entries. And you know how hard it is to get into the zone, watching a team that struggled to get in on the power play. Like that is a genuine skill set that is not conditioned. You're not conditioned as a fan to pay attention to that stuff. And when you hear that he's got three points and he's a constant contender, I think people will be like, what? But like, if you watch that guy and what he's been able to accomplish, mm. I don't think it's yeah. a crazy take. I mean, I think, I it, think it would be given to price, but like, I don't think Geno's crazy. I th- yeah. I, th- I think the, the most, like the most average of common watchers would listen to me advocate for Phil Deneau to get the Smythe, and they'd be like, all right, yeah, he's he's out of his, he's off his rocker. Like he's just, uh, he, just the job that they're expecting him to do. Oh, it's insane. and given it's the, and yeah, and yeah, that's a great word. And given the fact that like he's done it to three teams so far, and boy, they were no slouch. Like the the lines he shut down, like he made Mark Stone look like a fucking goof, and Mark, Mark Stone, Stone looks pretty goofy. Cool. I mean, you know, I mean, Mark Stone absolutely looks like a goof. Usually that does not matter at all because he's one of the best players in the league. But uh, he had a, a straight-up bad series. He was pointless in seven games. He uh, was a negative possession player, which is very, very rare for him. And it was, frankly, kind of shocking. I wondered if he was hurt. I put money on, on Mark Stone under 1.5 shots every game, and I made a loop. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
I made a I made a killing off this uh, Habs Vegas series. Like just uh, pretty much after game two, like after game two when they had that goaltending controversy, I was like, yeah, I'm just going all in on the Habs. Like, and I hit a lot. Like especially with my goal props, I was pretty good with those. I got uh, one game. The boys nailed me like three in a row. Like I had a Perry and Anderson and a Caulfield, I think, uh, or, or something, or a Toffoli instead of Caulfield, I think. And it was just like boom, 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 right in a row. I was like, wow. I, I got the uh, Lekkonen prop on game six, which was lucrative. So that – Arturi Lekkonen, and I'm not saying this because he scored the clinching goal. That was a nice goal, but that's not why I'm saying this. He has been, to me, uh, the most impressive player that I did not previously – he was the guy that I personally underrated the most. Like, it's been – all the analytics guys have been saying that Deneau is a Selkie candidate pretty much every year for three years. Uh, Gallagher, the same thing. I made the argument on the last podcast that just because he's so chippy and works so hard that people don't talk about how good he is. And Gallagher, I think like we mentioned before, that big dip that they had in the season where they started to suck, that's when Gallagher went out injured. And I think he is – Gallagher is honestly a very underrated player as well. But Lekkonen, man – I thought I don't know what I thought of that guy before, but uh, he he's had a great playoffs, a really really great playoffs. Every one of the Habs players right now, and I think I made this analogy before, but they're all playing with like boost on. It's like they all have like plus ten on their attributes. Like it's when the rich kids buy the pack for like NHL when you make a be a pro and you can just max out their stats right away. It feels like everybody on the Habs is playing well above their regular mean performance. And before the playoffs, I always thought of Lekkonen as kind of an enigmatic player. Like you didn't know what you were going to get from him. Yeah. There were a couple or a couple of nights, not this season past, because I think he was in and out of the lineup this season. I think there's some time that he was scratched or he was in and out of the he lineup. He was. And you know what? Can we stop saying that? Like, it's a huge deal. Like, a guy gets scratched, and then for three weeks, everyone's like, this guy's unconsistent. It's like, no, man, you got you can only play 12 guys. Most teams have 14 good forwards. Sometimes guys just, you need to just come out. What's the big deal? Uh, that said, think- Tatar being scratched is still fucking stupid. I don't care if you win the finals in four games. Yeah, I I don't I don't know about Thomas Tatar. I know you're a big Thomas Tatar guy, and I never have. Been. I'm not a big Thomas Tatar guy. The uh, no? the, the data available about Thomas Tatar shows that he is one of the best twelve players on the Montreal Canadiens. I don't have a feeling about him, uh, although except that it's stupid that he's not playing, and it is okay. I uh, I don't see him drawn back in. I don't I don't I don't see it. I see him put. I, I see them putting if he's available. Evans back in because I don't, I don't well he might draw back in because uh, Joel Armia or Yoel Armia isn't traveling with the team yeah which so is that's... honestly he's been devastating I mean he's yeah he's, he's been, been he's been so good he's been one of their best players been... and that's why what I was saying about like BX being like Anderson but it's just like he's talking about Anderson because Anderson reminds him of the way he plays so of course he yeah. wants to be valuable and that and he wants to it's just very natural because, like, so many old broadcast guys are grinders. So they're like, you know who's important? The grinders. But Joe, <laughs> Armia, Armia has been so fucking good. He, like, that – I still think the Montreal PK is outscoring the every power play unit they've played this whole time, which is yep. wild. They, uh, yeah, they're, they're – 
Shit, I had the number. Their their PK is like 44 for the last 47. They haven't been scored on the power play since the Leaf series, which is insane. Because remember how big of a deal the Leaf series power play struggles in terms of Leafs fans were. Right. Leafs fans, I mean myself. It wasn't just you. And by the way, if we're if we're at this place now where if if we're going to accept the argument that Montreal is a very very good team and they deserve to be here, which I think uh, I would accept that they deserve to be there based on their playoff performance for sure and I think the general consensus is uh maybe we can cool it on the fact that the Leafs need to blow up their whole team. Maybe that if we could just bring it back to Canada's team real quickly. And I can get back in. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, if Montreal's this good, then we lost to the definite Stanley Cup favorite, according to everyone now. So they both they can't both be true. Who's to say? Who's to say? <laughs> Bring it back to Canada's team. I saw, like, one of the most famous Habs sports writers today just make a bunch of, like, Habs comparisons to Leafs players. And I was like, Jesus Christ, man, your team is playing in the finals tomorrow night. Must you show your entire ass like this and prove once again <laughs> it is always about the Leafs? It's like it is. you cover the Habs. Like, you know, everyone gets mad. It's like, oh, they're spending too much time talking about Toronto. And here's like one of the most, you know, I, I would compare him to be like Montreal's Damian Cox, I guess. One of the biggest old man curmudgeon reporters being like, talking mm, to Emmy, this many wins, Caulfield, this many wins, and then like yeah. list off the Leafs four. And it's like, oh, so you're telling me it's about the Leafs again. All right, I'll take it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think people have, have asked, you know, like there's been some, some form of debate about is Montreal lucky? You know, are they lucky to be here? They don't. I and I would say I'm not sure what your opinion on, on this is. In my opinion, is that they are lucky. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but my my simultaneous opinion, which I do not think is contradictory, is that they're deserving of being here. They are both they lucky, and they have worked. They have yeah, played have, good enough to be worked. here. Yeah, I, I but they say, have been lucky. I, like, there's no you yeah, have well, to I'm be saying. lucky. Well, everyone does, yes. And and it's not like, by using that word, you can't take away from the work that they had done. But nobody can deny it. There's some weird shit, like, in the cosmos happening for this team right now. <laughs> like, there's, there's no, like, this is some weird Simpsons monkey paw stuff going on. Like, I have never seen a run of just everything going right. Well, first of all, you haven't played a series where – you the other team had their first line center yet that has not happened yet yeah not not yet in this playoffs have have you faced a series where the other team's first line center has played i think toronto had their first line center okay but they lost a first line center (laughs) yes well yes yes exactly but yes thanks for derailing my point for that charles i appreciate you uh nitpicking that jonathan Tavares is not as good as austin matthews people would not have known had you not rudely fucking nitpicked my great argument I just saved. I thought you were going to throw some disrespect at Chandler Stevenson. Actually, he's also not a first line center. Not me. Yeah, well, he is. That's one of their. That's one. That's why not. (laughs) Hang on, though. Why? Why is Chandler Stevenson not a first line center? I just don't see it. I don't think he has the finish. I don't think he has the. 
He's really good with the puck. Mm, I, interesting. He's really good with the puck. I don't think he's... So is that, your argument against Chandler Stevenson being a first-line center is that he's really good with the puck. This is convincing. Well, so no, I'm, I'm trying... He just doesn't have the finish. <laughs> I don't think he has the finish of most first-line centers. I yeah, know, you know Vegas... First-line center, Phil Deneau. No finish. <laughs> Hasn't even... I don't even think if he's... If, I don't even know if he's looked at the other team's net yet. Okay, doesn't well, need to. That's an, that's an anomaly of a first-line center. That's the most unorthodox current first-line center in the NHL. The reason I think Chandler Stevenson's not a first-line center because that's going to be Vegas's priority number one A, and they're going to do anything in their power to get Jack Eichel. They're already uh, on the phone now. I would agree. I would agree with that. They need a better, but he did play at about fifty-point pace in this year, and he played on their first line as a center. So sorry, but yeah. it's he's a first-line center. Okay. <laughs> That's what people tune in for to this Canadian hockey podcast. We're in the fucking finals covering a team in the finals. We're arguing about Chandler Stevenson. Chandler Stevenson, yeah. Jesus. I don't think he's a good first-line center. Why? He's good with the fuck. (laughs) I just don't see it. I don't see... I don't see him... I don't accept... I don't see it as an argument. I don't see lots Uh, of things. That doesn't mean they're not true. All right, fair. I've never seen a million dollars... You know what's funny? I don't even. Not I'm not like if Chandler Stevenson was my first line center, I'd be like, oh, we got to get someone better. So that's <laughs> what I mean. That's what. Yeah, that's that's what I'm. That He's a low grade first line mean. center. He's a good enough first line center on a team that has yeah, the wing depth that Vegas has. You think that Vegas would probably have you know addressed that because that's all Vegas does. All Man, Vegas is turnaround. Just constantly addressing things. What a dream don't, it must be to be a Vegas know, Knights their, fan. Their turnaround is just like. Out of this world. It's like, okay, this guy, oh, he's dropped off after the two years we've had him. Run him out of town. Got to get someone younger, faster, better. Like, it's just <laughs> yeah. That's why Jack Eichel is already there. Like, they've sent him the, the gear bag and the jersey. And he's like, what, what the hell? What's Who sent this to me? I think like, Anaheim. Oh, I've been saying Anaheim a lot. Yeah, I've been saying Mike John- This is not even my argument. Mike Johnson said it, and he said that they have the – the space, the positional need, uh, the prospects to give back, and a draft pick. So it's like it did. I did kind of think that made sense. But, th- you know, also hang on. We, we got to come out of here. We're gonna get back to the Habs. We're gonna get murdered. We're being horrible. Can we talk about Jeff Petrie's red eyes, please? Oh, Jeff absolutely. Petrie, did you watch Game of Thrones, Charles? I did not. I did okay. not. I'm can sorry. You, can you humor me while I make a weird analogy that maybe some of our listeners will get? So there's a guy in Game I'll feel of like Thrones. You? so so, there's a guy in game of thrones named the mountain and he gets in this big fight and he almost dies and he comes back and he's like basically a robot that a, a crazy old science doctor turned into a very effective killing machine and he has red eyes and he moves really slowly and i was like this is jeff petrie because you were saying it's funny because uh, you were saying that everyone in Montreal is supercharged. And I think to an extent that is true. I think the only exception is Jeff Petrie, who was their MVP, in my opinion, at the be- uh, for this season. I thought that either honestly him, him or Jake Allen, believe it or not, which is uh, mm. because, you know, I'm not saying that yeah. I'm not. Listen, I'm not taking Carey Price out of that net, but you got to give it up to Jake Allen, who <clears> they wouldn't have won. gotten there. Yeah. yeah. They wouldn't have gotten oh. here without his performance. Yeah, it's a good point. 
But Jeff Petrie is hurting. He is playing with, uh, I think he has two injured fingers or something. And I was reading a graph on Money Puck that says the optimal amount of fingers is 10. Everything goes downhill when you don't have 10 fingers. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the type of hot analysis. We don't know how we feel about Chandler Stevenson, but I tell you what, we've got a firm stance on optimal fingers amount. Have you seen? Have you seen the, uh, the celebration of the game six when, uh, when when all the players are like around the trophy presentation and Shea Weber has his glove off and he's got this like yeah. robotic yeah and I was just like whoa like how banged up is this guy's hand Gallagher's hand is fucked Jeff Petrie's hand is fucked Petrie's got it's a really good hand effort. yeah. Really, really yeah. gutsy effort by the Canadians. They're playing. They're playing so well, and I really don't want anyone to think that I, because I said that they're lucky doesn't mean they don't deserve to be there. I just think yeah, there are that, there is teams who have played about as well, and or maybe not, maybe not so much, and got no luck. You know what I mean? And there's also yeah. teams who got there based on. I I don't think Tampa's lucky though. I think Tampa is like if your team is that good, plus you can circumvent the cap like they did. Like oh boy. <laughs> The, uh, the optional surgeries, that's when it's going to get interesting. When guys are getting surgeries that, like on Tampa side, where they're getting surgeries that aren't required but optional, it's like, Hedman's out for the season. Well, why? Surgery. Oh, what, what happened? Got his tonsils out. Real, <laughs> He's real out with the seasons and no tonsils. <laughs> real rough road to recovery. He got his tonsils taken out. It's like, oh, was he sick? No, but uh, he's out for the season. Surgery. <laughs> Surgery. Yeah. I gotta get I gotta get us back on track here. I was reading something on uh, on Money Puck and it says that the optimal amount of tonsils is two. <laughs> Wait, or is tonsils one? Is is, is tonsils like they're a pair? A set. They're a set. I think they're a set. I think they're but I, I don't think you could take one and not There's the a other. set of tonsils. I think it's a set. Yeah. Do you think women are into it? Do you think women are like, man, some set of tonsils on Charles? That man's got the tonsils. Uh, what's that disease? What's, what's that disease when you get when you're a kid that they ever take your tonsils out? It's tonsillitis. Oh my that's god! It, that's that's what they call it. Yeah, it's a, I'm quitting this podcast. This is the moment of my life. I'm getting back on no, the weed gummies. You, they teach you that on the first day of medical school. Number one, tonsillitis. All right, here's your syllabus. They sound the same. See you tomorrow. Is that it? Tonsillitis. That is. I, I used that to, was I a lazy had... doctor that day, man. He's got something. We got to name this disease that a kid's got something wrong with his tonsils. That's ah, tonsillitis. You want another take on that? You want to? No, lupus is already taken. The kid's got tonsillitis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we we're gonna know from our producer. Tonsillitis could occur at any age. <laughs> Can you imagine next game? Oh my god. Someone's out. So yeah, can you imagine someone goes out in the finals with a bad boat of tonsillitis? Good lord. They don't have Vasileski tonight. Tonsillitis. Um I wanted I thought an interesting note. I thought an interesting note during this series was the Max Pacioretty of it all. Oh. I thought that was very, very interesting. And uh I also realize we haven't talked about the fact that there's been fans there, which has been, uh, yeah. it's a big sh- man. It's, I remember like after the first lockdown, when hockey came back and it was so quiet, I was like, this is weird, but I'm glad that it's here at some point. I like, 
I stopped getting there and I did find myself enjoying the playoff games in the States where there was fans way more just because it's fun to watch people freak out. I'm wondering if they're going to find a way to get some more people in there for the cup final. I think so. I, I think they will just because of the more people inside, I guess the less, I, I don't think it'll be the less people with the, the more people that are inside, it's less likely that there will be that many people outside. Like that was the story of, of game six like they couldn't leave the arena on time because it was blocked <laughs> oh poor <laughs> them they just had to be stuck in the fucking bell center celebrating the greatest yeah. of their lives well i mean it's it's not just it's not just montreal it's like vegas for like yo uh, you gotta hang out here for a bit it's 10 people deep on all sides of the building <laughs> like, yeah chandler stevenson can't go home he just wants to go home like, uh, robin lean robin though, wants to read weird tweets about himself even though you lost, uh, they'll still eat you alive out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. So let me ask you this. Do you have a, I guess, a, a running mental list of things that would have to work out in Montreal Canadiens' favor to win in the final? No, no. I mean, I hate to be the straight line guy again, but just score more goals than Tampa. That's pretty much, that's always where I'm at for the most part. I think, uh, honestly, if I'm Montreal, man, just keep doing what you're doing. I think it's your best shot. And I think they have a fair chance. I think, again, they're the underdogs. I do not think if you were to make me like, if, if I had to make a bet with equal odds, I'd certainly be putting my money on Tampa. But, uh, I have learned to not discredit this, this Montreal team. Yeah, I, I guess I shouldn't have said, like, to go right, meaning, like, a, a world of errors where three people on Tampa slip on banana peels. And... Well, what were you getting at? If I may tee you up, I, I've done a poor job. I apologize. I should have yeah. been like, nah, what well, you got? <laughs> <laughs> I, I really think that Montreal, well, one, I think they're going to. Like, I, I think they're going to do it. I don't think Carey Price gets this close to the Stanley Cup and doesn't win it. I just don't. I can't. When I close my eyes, I can't picture him not winning it at this point. But I do think the importance of Corey Perry, and unfortunately it's questionable right now, but Joel Armia cannot be understated right now. Like those two guys are as critical to this forward group as like any player, like your your Caulfields, your Toffoli's, and all of those guys. Like those are two very important cogs. And I think Tampa's top line is going to be harder to contain than most of the lines that they had seen. And Tampa does have... Oh, significantly so. Yeah. Especially if Kucherov does, is healthy, which he won't be. I, I don't think he will be. But Tampa does have a probably a stronger top six than any team that they've run into. But I think Montreal's bottom six greatly outweighs their bottom six. Greatly outweighs Tampa's bottom I, I, six. I think. I think that just oh. how both of them have been. I, I, I shouldn't say like on. Paper, I honestly, probably, you, you, you have said so have many things playing. in the last two minutes that I have not agreed with whatsoever. <laughs> but finish your thought, just in case there's something coming up at the end. Just how they have been playing so far in the playoffs, I should say. Like I, Tampa just, and it's hard to gauge Tampa because the majority of the Tampa I watched was against that Islander series, and that's just like watching. 
people try to skate through sand. Like that was essentially what the Islanders did. In the sense of a shutdown team, I think the Islanders are a better shutdown team than Montreal, especially with Montreal's injuries on the blue line. That's like when when they were like Montreal's like Tampa or the Islanders on steroids. I was like, I would take uh, the core in uh, New York more before I would take Montreal's. With no discredit to Montreal, that is an absolute just a compliment to the Islanders. And in terms of Corey Perry, while I... I think Corey Perry has been fantastic. He's been a bottom six guy playing bottom six minutes. I think that we always fall into the trap of like, it's the role players are the reason that they're winning. And I think Montreal, I think the big difference this year is that Gallagher and Janot have been doing what they always have. And they've been great. But the difference is they've got the offensive depth behind them. Now they've got Suzuki, Caulfield and Toffoli. I think we've gone far too far into this without talking about how good Caulfield has been and the impact he's had on that team. He is ready to go. He's yet another example. I think people like the prime player age is about 22 to 28, roughly. So there are a lot of players in the NHL right now. We talked about this with Edmonton and you're wasting your young guys time. Basically they're ready to go, but your coach is too scared to play them. And they were too scared to play Caulfield. And as soon as he went in the lineup, it's like, oh, Montreal has a weapon now that not only is scoring, but is also their most effective player uh, most nights getting the puck into the offensive zone. He's been incredible. Suzuki's been fun so to watch. Toffoli's been so good. Those two young guys, man, have yeah. been goddamn fun. Fun to watch. Uh, makes me think that a lot of scouts should probably get fired. <laughs> oh he yeah, went like fifteenth. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, do you, you know why at- though? It's because he's like five foot six or something. It's because he's a short king. They yeah, don't yeah. like it. People, people, it. it is crazy to think about that. Like, okay, so like there is an argument to be made, for instance, that Lionel Messi is the best athlete in the world. Uh, Messi is, I think, five seven. I know that. No, Hawk- still Mike Ryder. <laughs> sure. But my point is like, you got to look at, that's such a dumb part of your brain that just looks at a tall guy and looks at the short guy. Then it's like. I'm going to take the longer one. The longer man is the longer man better. And like, could I have, could I have Caulfield at six, six with the exact same skill set? Yeah, I guess I take him Cause he takes up more room, I suppose. But like, look at the numbers. Stop looking at people's fucking heights and stuff that doesn't matter. It's like, you have better information to go off now. It's like, I even seen one of my, my one of my Habs friends, was tweeting like, imagine if Caulfield was 6'6". I mean, like, why are you imagining things? This guy's perfect. Maybe he wouldn't yeah. be so good down low. Maybe he wouldn't be so slippery. Maybe what you're doing right now, stop putting your players in funhouse mirrors and enjoy the finals, you fucking weirdo. <laughs> I think if Caulfield woke up at 6'6 tomorrow, he wouldn't be able to play as good of a game. He'd be like Bambi. He'd be like, what yeah, exactly. I have, another, I have another foot of height. This is new. I don't know. That'd be a storyline. <laughs> what happened last night? Oh well, uh, Joel Armia's out, but uh, Cole Caulfield is seven foot eight now, <laughs> which you'd think is good, but he can't stand. He's not used to the balance. Did I ever tell you about an interview I read that was just like I opened it up, I was like, "Ooh, interview from like a top scout," and then three paragraphs down, it's like, "I always like to meet with the parents to see how tall they are," and I'm like. Oh no! Oh yeah, I guess yeah, like, it's well, like well, they'll get taller if their parents are like, taller. Yeah, I think that was Mike Babcock that said that. Yeah, it's like, I met with his parents, and it's like, tall mom, tall dad, 
kid's going to grow to be tall, good hockey player. And I'm like, man. You're like, you're not betting some... on horses, man. What are you doing? <laughs> I know some absolutely clumsy motherfuckers who are like six, six, five, six, six. So I'm going to, I'm going to pull up the Max Pacioretty trade. Cause I, I, I do think this is, <clears throat> there's two things. Pacioretty, like that was just such a ripe narrative. I thought, first of all, actually, let me just say about Max Pacioretty, who was okay uh, in that series. I find it, I don't find it. Okay. Oh, nice. We're drinking the same bubbly. Usually we're on different flavors. Pineapple, boy. Yeah, no. Pineapple. I mixed a pineapple and an orange last night in, a, in the same glass, and uh, someone called the cops. Yeah, so they should, because that's how people get tonsillitis, <laughs> if they're not careful. <laughs> well, we've, so, we've finally been sued by bubbly over that. <laughs> oh, my God. If, if bubbly sued us, it would be the biggest betrayal. We've given them so much business. It's insane so yeah. i i don't think it's weird that they booed him but i do think that i don't think it's weird in the sense that that's like the type of bell center shenanigans that i would expect but i don't think he is warranted what he did in montreal is not worth a, not worth booing i don't think it's what do you think do you think that's dumb i thought it was so uh, i i went with the, the first game i watched in montreal and they booed him i was like well, why are they booing this guy and then i was like Jesus Christ, man! If my team was in the semifinals and so and Dion Phaneuf came back, I'd be booing him. I'd be caught up in the moment. I'd be I like, Boo, Dion, Dion. You know? Dion Phaneuf never scored forty goals for you, though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, insert Phil Kessel. I could never boo Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel's been Van, through enough, dude. I would boo James Van Riemsdyk. If we were in the semifinals oh against James God, Van Riemsdyk, get out of town! Would no, you wouldn't. Would you would never I'd boo James Van Riemsdyk. I'd get caught up in the moment. I'd be like, you know, you're only good and close. Never had the makings of a varsity athlete. That's that's another thing to be said about this. Like, yeah, it's a crowd. They're going to be dumber. People are like, when they started throwing <laughs> beer cans in the uh, in the uh, every crowd okay. makes people dumber. No one gets smarter in a crowd. No one ever goes into a crowd and like passes the SATs or anything. It's always the it's Islanders dumb shit. The Islanders beer can thing is the greatest, most fitting send off for that fucking rink in Couldn't the world. That is that is the most like a, a picture of the the ice being littered with beer cans and one lone shoe should be hung up like a full wall in the new rink. Like that's gonna go in their new rink like a full wall. It's like this is where we came from, boys. I like to think that you know that there's that one pole in the middle of the rink that they can't sell tickets behind because you can't see the ice. I like to think that someone was behind that and tried to throw a beer can, but it didn't make it through. <laughs> Hit him, bounced back and hit him. <laughs> Holy oh, shit. Man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, what a way I to go people for that. Are like, well, I think that's kind of dumb. And we're like, yeah, man, that is kind of dumb. But like, also, just just enjoy something. People aren't used to being out of their houses anymore. <laughs> yeah, they're throwing a few recyclables around. It's not, a, someone's like, what if someone slips? It's like, <laughs> You're watching hockey. This this is a league that brushes off concussion lawsuits. There's bigger problems, man. Focus up. No one's going to fucking What happened when Who's that guy in the Senators who ate the cheeseburger? That they got oh, Curtis Lazar. Curtis Lazar to be like yeah. he could have slipped on a cheeseburger and torn his ACL. Like, yeah, I guess. But also Okay. I, my friend, am the superstitious guy that is like, oh, what if someone gets injured when it's my team because I worry about injuries? 
not once have I thought he could slip on a cheeseburger wrapper and tear his ACL. I would, I got to tell you, if that ever happened to an athlete, just retire immediately. Just be like, all right, this is, the universe does not want me to have this, clearly. Oh, okay, I mean, but the, the loved it. The Islanders themselves loved it. Like, oh, the were, players were laughing. Like, if the players yeah. were like, "Stop, maybe," but then they're like, "Hey, you know what? Sometimes life is weird, and then it rains garbage." What about that? <laughs> Let us let's pull back to this Pacioretty trade for Christ's sakes. <laughs> so here's the deal: it's in 2018. They send away Pacioretty to the Golden Knights for a second rounder, Tatar and Suzuki. Now, I think with that trade, I think when you trade a guy like Pacioretty in his prime, who has been great for Vegas, uh, yeah. had a so-so playoffs, but for a guy like Suzuki, the understanding is there will come a day that Suzuki is better than Pacioretty. Mm-hmm. Father Time is undefeated, and Suzuki was a bit of a can't-miss pro- uh, prospect, and he's been so good, man. He's been so good at both ends of the ice. He gets... He's had about a takeaway a game in the playoffs, which I know is a, a, not a stat that a lot of people look at, but like the best in the league is 1.2 in the regular season. He's at 0.89. He's having a – is he better than Pacioretty now? Now? Yeah. Yes, 100%. 100%. Uh, that is – I say no. When you say no. I think – I think. I mean, I think Suzuki had a better playoffs, but I, if you're going to ask okay. me who's going to throw together a big span of games next year, I'd say Pacioretty is likely, but only for one more year. I don't mean this as an insult oh, okay. to Pacioretty or an insult no, to Suzuki. No, neither do I. I meant this as a, com- I, 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 a compliment to Suzuki. Patch has got to be, what, 31 now, though, eh? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think I think the time has already come. Well, he's that coming is... down and Tatar's going up. Or sorry, yeah, Suzuki. Yeah, Suzuki. I think that is an example of like one of those trades that both teams make again. They do it again every like if, if they're they do it again. If they could go back in time and stop it. They do it again. Those are rare, and it's one of those trades too where you could make the case that everything that Montreal got back in their return panned out how they were imagining. I don't know who they took with that second rounder though. I, I would need to know that. Keep going. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that it, both teams uh, won the trade, I guess you could say, which is kind of difficult when you trade your captain. Like, he was their fucking captain when they traded him, which is Montreal uh, does that a qu- quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the other thing is it's just kind of casual fans who are like, he was our captain and now he left. Even though you, I, I understand being mad at players if you trade them and you can't get a good haul for them. I don't but, think they were mad at him. I just think they're trying to get him off his game. I don't think anyone was mad. I don't think anyone was like when they, they, they boo PK when he comes in. I don't think they're mad at PK Subban. He's like a saint in that city. Oh, no, I think people are mad about PK Subban 100%. Are they really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a weird one, too, yeah. because I think now that both teams still go back and do that, Nashville almost won a cup, uh, and then they turned him into a plethora of prospects and picks, and Montreal are playing for a cup with Shea Weber with one paw as their captain. And he's got, like, the mankind mandible paw device on his hand. There's my wrestling reference of the episode. Okay, <laughs> Welcome back, baby. You know what's funny? I was actually <laughs> trying to say something about that, but uh, the only thing I could remember was Mr. Sacco. So I couldn't. I was just like, <laughs> I guess I'll just, may, maybe Charles will circle back to it later and it'll be known. Here we are. 
He's got Martias Nor Matias Norlander and uh, Jacob Laguerre. Now I don't know anything about Laguerre, but Norlander, a lot of people think he has a promising future. So I do think great trade for both teams, and uh, yeah. I think Suzuki. God, he's had such a good playoffs. He's he's just looking looking incredible. I think another guy I want to give a bit of credit to here is Joel Edmonston again. I think that with yeah. Petrie hurt, there's a couple guys who are really carrying an extra load. One of which is Weber. Uh, the other one Who's is Edmondson. Edmondson, I think, has been their best blue liner in the playoffs. But one and thing I, I noticed that acquisition panned it. Oh yeah. Uh, one thing I've noticed, then, like player on Montreal that I'm when when he plays, like I have him penciled in for like a goof a game. Like he's he's good for a goof a game, and I haven't seen one in the last two fucking rounds, and that's Ben Sherratt. Like I've been looking. And he's usually good for like a, an, oh boy, a game. It's like, no, yeah. not not this deep in the playoffs. He's not fucking around. Well, and, the thing that Sherratt uh, and, and Weber is also very good at this, are excellent defensemen at defending their own blue line, defending the entry on their blue line. The big weakness with Sherratt is that he's piss poor at moving the puck out of the zone, makes a lot of mistakes moving out of the zone. With Sherratt, it's not so much that – I mean, he does do some big – what did you call it? Goof a game? I like that. That's goof fun. a game. We should yeah, have that as a segment, actually. <laughs> the goof of the game. It's us. It's always us. Um, yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> But Sherratt will dump it out when there's a play to be made. And when, and when he does try to make the play, he often cannot. But because Weber's paired with him, Weber's been tasked with moving the puck out, something that he hasn't been good at in about five years. And he had a very good series. I can't say enough. Like, somebody looked it up. Montreal had a better series against Vegas than anyone has had against Vegas in their illustrious and privileged history as an NHL franchise. <laughs> they were incredible. They deserve yeah. it. I hate yeah. it. I hate to say it. Uh, Actually, yeah. I don't even really hate to say it, but they, they do deserve it. <clears throat> um, but they're also lucky. One, well, yes. I, I Everything is going right. That's a big is, thing that I, I hope people are really coming to grips with the fact that when a team wins or if – actually, more specifically, if a team loses, it's not because of some moral failure like they didn't try or something like that. It's just like, buddy, you don't – sometimes you don't get bounces. Because, man, okay, so, like, imagine Montreal was so close to being eliminated uh, against the Leafs, as you may remember. They were two overtimes totally away from forgot. that happening. Now, if they went out in the first, <laughs> if they went out in the first round and Phil Deneau's got no goals, everyone right now is going to be like, "Get rid of Phil Deneau. He can't score. He's useless." Okay, there's these there's are two things razor thin, and this is a lucky game on fucking boot knives, man. Stop tearing <laughs> down your own guys because you don't get the roles because you almost never will until you do, and here you are. I'll anyway, good night. I'll, I'll try to be. Uh, I'll try to be less mad at certain Leafs that bugged me. I'm getting uh, getting a little bit uh, over it. I guess I should say. So, so I have been. Uh, I've been doing this thing now. So I. I have been every every night. I put my phone away earlier, and in the next day, I look at it a little later, just moving it a couple of minutes every day. And I remember one day, I was like, I'm going to put my phone away, and I was just on the deck. It was a nice, sunny day. I was just having a coffee. I hadn't looked at my phone yet, and I was like, this is beautiful. It was a nice, blissful morning. So anyway, my little alarm rang, so I went and got my phone, and I looked at Twitter, because I don't respect my own time at all. And on this beautiful day, you had already unloaded uh, like eight tweets about Mitch Marner on a hot June afternoon. 
Oh, I sent those from the Morning. beach too, which is you funny. Saw, you were on the beach. Yeah, I was on the. Jesus I was literally with them. I took that day off and I went to Topsail Beach and I was like reading a book and I think I was talking to my brother the night before about the Leafs and we we have a great relationship of riling one another up. And I was just like, oh, fuck, I forgot to make this point to my brother, and he's at work, so I have to tweet it now. <laughs> I was just like on <laughs> at Topsail Beach, I don't know, it was probably like pretty early in the morning, like 11 o'clock, and I'm like, damn it. And another thing, I think I, I made the joke, the anomaly, it's like, if you're ordering pizza, <laughs> if you're ordering pizza and you want to get toppings. You get four toppings, but meat counts as two. You, all of a sudden, you, if you keep Marner, it's like, well, does cheese count? Can we get rid of cheese? Charles, that is a downright unhinged thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's not its not personal. I just think with his contract, you can't Charles, Charles, address listen, death. Man, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get yeah. The only people still listening to this podcast are the Habs fans listening to us getting tortured. We can't be talking about Mitch Marner's contract in the cup finals. Jesus Christ. Oh. So, something that I, I'm pulling us back here. Get your tonsils warmed up because I want your opinion okay. on this. Do you still have tonsils? I do, actually. They, I, 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 I had some trouble. <laughs> I had trouble with them as a kid, too, and they just never did take them. I got tonsillitis like three or four times. And uh, they were like, no, it's not bad. It'll get better. Just take penicillin. And then I was like, it happened again. I was like, oh, better keep an eye on that. If you come in a third time, we might have to take them from you. And uh, they just never did. Who is your doctor? <laughs> oh, I, redacted. I can't, I can't disclose that info of my family doctor. And I can't say West who, but the character of Dr. Nick is based off of him. <laughs> Um, so one of my big, uh, I mean, I'm not looking very smart on this in this particular playoffs, but I have always said that it's a mistake to pay too much for goaltending. And, uh, believe you me, we're in the cup finals with the two most expensive goalies in the league, except for that guy in Florida who they put in pads, but is not a goalie. He is a, uh, that he's a money laundering system. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) But Brodsky is, uh, well, anyway. So it's kind of, this is going to be, you know what? I have a very strange, I have a strange, a very strange prediction. What is it? Carey Price is going to blow a game. And so is Vasilevsky. This playoffs has been so goddamn weird. Carey Price has a a 9.34 save percentage. That is inhuman. Vasilevsky, 9.36. Both of them are kind of due for an off game, and I think we're going to see one from both, just out of the sheer madness of it all. Can Can you let me know which one you think it is, so I'll bet the over because I'm betting the under every game of this series. Like Charles, if I ever told you to bet the over in this series, I would be a bad friend. I would not do that <laughs> to you. Um, I hope both goalies shine though, because they are. It is really great to see. Like this is. Price is a very special athlete, and I, I, I don't, I can't get to the point where I say I want Montreal to win because it will be a lie. But I do, already, I do root for that man. I, I have already said I want Carey Price to win. Uh, I said earlier on the pod if they made a if they made the finals, I'd go buy a Carey Price jersey. Unfortunately, I cannot find an All Star Game Carey Price jersey. That's what I was going to do. I went to like two sports shops. They had the All Star jersey. They just didn't have Price on the back, and I was like, "Can I get that done in a week?" And they're like. No. 
Uh, what about Canada? You got Canada Price? Yeah, I thought about that. They had the uh, or the WHL World Cup jersey. Of, they had the World Cup of oh, that'd be that'd be sweet. I, I don't know if they're just kicking around the WHL ones. That'd be wild though. Um, but no, I, I I am actively rooting for Carey Price, and if I, I again, I'll say it, I just can't picture like I don't see him getting to the finals and it's slipping away. So your prediction, your prediction to me, like almost blew me back. Like the sure, like, it was like oh yeah, okay. Uh, and 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 normally, Charles, when I'm predicting things, it's because like oh, there's a pattern in these numbers that usually leads this to happen. This is based in no reality whatsoever. This is just. Both of these guys have been fucking incredible. I bet something weird happens. I don't think it's going to happen, but my weird brain thinks it does. You know what I mean? It's not a real prediction. Yeah. I'm not putting any money. Down. Oh, okay. okay. I think they're well, both going to be lights out. But the way things are going, and like Price has a, has a 957 shorthanded. That is obviously unsustainable. But whether he'll be able to sustain it for four to seven more games, that is very possible. Is it likely? Here's- uh, no, but is it likely that he's been able to do it like he has so far? Also, no. So who's to say if we have enough time for things to even themselves out? Here's my weird prediction. If this is a quick series, I think this is going to be a long series. If it's a quick series, it's a quick series that Montreal wins. That's that's If this ends in like a four or five game situation, it's Tampa losing. That's That's my prediction on this. I think it's very hard to say because Kucherov, that guy has banged up bodies. To do with it, yeah. Saranac is injured. Kucherov is injured. Somebody on the back end. Hedman is clearly not playing. Hedman ain't right. But then again, Montreal man, they are also playing their way through a lot of injuries. Montreal is a lot, definitely a lot of injuries in Montreal. But they're they've adapted so much better. I found. Like I found that they have adapted to what they're dealing with systems-wise and how that team is playing as a team. We haven't seen playoff Tampa without Kucherov. Like we've seen Tampa without Kucherov this season, but we haven't seen playoff. And yeah, the other question is like, does he go on game one? Does he play opening night, or did did they only dress? I him think in game he's got to be in. If he played game seven, I think he'll play game one. Yeah. Okay. The question is, and uh, because Alec Martinez played on a broken foot and he was piss poor, honestly. So at a certain yeah, point, like, maybe, I mean, Alec Martinez is not Nikita Kucherov, that said. No, that's that's also true. I mean, is the injured version their last of you better than uh, the the healthy guy who would come in for you? That's the question. That's, yeah. And Kucherov, I honestly, maybe. I honestly would not be able to tell you who would be slotting in over in Tampa. Like, I don't know their, uh, I don't know their depth forwards that well. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know who's over there. Well, um, is, is uh, I mean, we won't, we won't, I don't think any. Sorry, Martin Jones. Is Bar- <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like I was just saying. It's like Barkley Goodrow and, and uh, Blake Coleman in the lineup every night. Like I know those are two yes, big yes, pieces. Yes, yes, yes. Everyone's favorite okay, so haunted in- Butler Barkley Goodrow is in the lineup every night. Yes, he is. Uh, Tampa's got Tampa's got some depth, man. They've got uh, that team is I, incredible, and uh, so you know what? Let's uh, on this. Unless you have something else, I think we should call I it. Do have one more thing, actually? I do have one more thing. That okay, I want to now ask. let me let me ask you: Is this a is this a thing or is this a weird little thing? Like, should no, we this end is. With- 
I, I think we can end with this because by the time we get back together, the series will either have been settled or we're going to be deep into it. Uh, Phil Deneau is an unrestricted free agent this summer. You're talking about his contract? What, you, what? Yeah. What do you think happens there? I think that's a bigger conversation that I think we should have later for two reasons. One, I think this is a very meaty topic that I want to get into and we don't have much okay. time. Two, um, for Habs listeners, I don't want them to have to think about contracts right now. God knows Tampa is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I do think we should get into that. And I think his uh, UFA situation is absolutely fascinating. So let's end with this. First of all, a uh, couple of brief things about the Leafs that I will just say. Jason Spezza, welcome back, you beautiful man. Thank you very much for another year of your time. I can't wait. Number two, happy retirement to Carl the Truth Gunnarsson. I uh, I should have opened with that, frankly. I, I can't believe he only played 12 seasons. That man had no hips. Dancing at a wedding, like dancing at a wedding, just like all torso. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean like every man in Newfoundland? Exactly, that's all I was thinking about, yeah. Uh, Tom Petty's apartment song blaring through a, a you know, a, a, a fisherman's lounge out in Triton that's, somewhere. That sounds like heaven right now. Let's I know, blow this podcast and go to a fisherman's lounge in Triton and dance from their oh. upper bodies. Yeah. yeah. All right, Carver. count of three. Who is a, I would like your prediction for this series, which you've already told me is Montreal, uh, mm-hmm. in how many games do you think it will happen? And I will do the same. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Lightning and six. Montreal and six. I feel like you didn't do it at the same time as I did. Oh, sorry. Like... Well, I'm going to say Montreal and six. It's going to be, even for me, even for someone who's still a little bit bitter uh, and still fires off angry tweets at the beach. I'm immensely bitter. It's going to be um, – one of those moments where you kind of remember where you were when the cup is lifted at the end of these two weird fucking years that everyone's having, where the cup is lifted in a Canadian city on home ice. I, I When I close my eyes, that's what I picture. I picture the Habs are in their red uniforms and just the entire city is... On fire. <laughs> yeah, well, overwhelmed in jubilation. I just, I, I again, I'll say it. I, I cannot close my eyes and picture Carey Price not closing this out. Like, he's not going to get, he's not going to get this close and, and not win it. Like, even if he's got to score a goal in the finals, he'll find a fucking way to do it. So I got oh, Habs I love a goalie goal. I think that would be something we would never see in another hundred years, a goalie goal in the finals. I'd be set well, for bar trivia for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, to the Habs fans, I hope you guys are having fun. Thank you again for listening. Uh, we would – I have nothing else to add. I have, no, I have nothing to plug. I got fucking nothing except that I'm going to drink my third bubbly of the night and just uh, – I'm just going to be grateful I still have my tonsils. And if you don't and we've been insensitive or – ablest in some sense to your 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 tonsil plight i do apologize for that as well i I, this is meant to be a a distracting thing and uh if you had some tonsil issues as a child that have flared up due to this podcast uh just be grateful that you had a doctor who wasn't charles's and you got the right thing done and we're proud